Uh, I actually have three things I want to get to if I can with you guys. One, I thought Rudy, uh, all there's been an issue for year wanting Rudy to run, 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 run. It's really hard. You're asking Rudy to do everything and then to sprint the floor at full steam. And Rudy ran tonight as well as I've ever seen him. Uh, I thought he, I thought he changed the game, running the floor with force the way he just talked about there. So um, I think, I think that's one. Um, I thought too. What I was going to say just before the we went to Rudy was uh, I sent out a, a tweet to the guys who do Locked On Nuggets, who I think was on the morning show this morning, and asked whether Denver had switched one through five all year and the answer was no so like in that sense the jazz have broken the nuggets like they didn't have another answer they went to something they haven't done um all year long and and then the third one that i think is really interesting and we'll have to see over time if this holds to be true and i always think these are cliche storylines but talking to people in the bubble there's a feeling that this team has really come together um, and that the and that the group is close. And considering what unique experience this group went through on March 11th, and they frankly weren't close after it, um, that that somehow inside the bubble, Quinn and whomever else has has got this thing back together in a manner so that they have a camaraderie and a togetherness is wildly impressive. Yeah, I think you're right on, and and want to get Gordon's thoughts on that too, David. It uh, there was one moment where Rudy had a big play, might have been. No, it was in the first half, but I mean, there was a moment there with Donovan and Rudy that seemed like the old happy-go-lucky kind of jazz where Donovan came up off the bench and gave him a shove right in the chest before a, a high-five. So it, it, And then let's not forget that Quinn Snyder in the playoffs is really great. If you give him uh, time to game plan and to adjust, and uh, you heard Coach Wells on with you, David, talking about how you know, regardless of the outcome, he's still going to be up till 1 in the morning or whatever Coach said, you know, uh, breaking this down, I, I think is is who he is and why he's a great coach. You know, I think you have to examine both the physical and the mental, and I don't want to get all existential on anybody here, but uh, obviously the Jazz are feeling, they're doing what Quinn wants them to do, and they're feeling confident doing it. And once you have that going, then you build this sort of uh, this the aura around your team where you feel like you're not going to miss and we wondered in that first half after Rudy had those 20 points, what would happen? Would the Jazz be able to hold it together? And boy, did they ever. They didn't make stupid mistakes. They felt comfortable. They got to their spots, both inside and out, and, and took the Nuggets apart. And when you see a team do that, this is about as well as I've seen any any Snyder coach team play. I mean, yeah, it is that, a thing That Oklahoma beauty. City series was something else. Yeah. Like, yeah, and remember how loaded that Oklahoma City team was, right? Like, certainly up there. I yeah. mean, it is it's it's something special to I, see. I, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I mean, Gordon, I think you're right. They're playing as well, but like, we all have a tendency to recency bias, right? Like today was perfection. That Oklahoma City series, they were outmanned, right? That's Paul mm-hmm. George and Russell Westbrook, and that was Stephen Adams. I mean, that that team was loaded, and and he he and he had not Quinn annihilated them in that series. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you're right. Gordon in this I can't wait to re-watch the first quarter because I thought the Jazz reads were just incredible like I thought every guy made the right read every moment that they needed to and even though they weren't like having a great offensive quarter it was just like wow there's nothing you can throw at these guys 
that flusters them. That so in that sense, Gordon, like preparation was, I thought the only time they were flustered was when they suddenly went to one through five switching, and you actually wondered whether the Jazz had not prepared that because Denver hasn't done it all year. So uh, in that sense, I, I I concur with you completely. Well, you and uh, you and Boone had a funny moment at the end of the or toward the end of the first quarter when uh, you said, Ron, what have they they done with the pick and roll? And uh, the conclusion you both made was, well, pretty much everything. And then he said, Ron, what worked? And he said, well, pretty much nothing. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it does feel that way. I, I, I'm going to bring up one other thought. I just think it's worth pointing out. Um, and so this could, the series could change on this. If Gary Harris returns, things change a little bit. Um, I don't know how close he is or not. Um, but De- Denver is – so when you look at pick-and-roll defense – Gary Harris and Will Barton are, like, in the top 30 in the NBA in pick-and-roll defense, maybe even top 20. Like, to, to not have those two guys is a really big deal for them. So, you know, this series could still swing and change if Gary Harris returns because I think that that, you know, honestly, because that could um, – that gives them another defender. And so what the change that they've made is when they went to one through five switching, they pulled Michael Porter Jr. out of the game and had five good defenders on the floor. Well, if they – if they suddenly have Gary Harris, then they have another good defender. So that could impact the series. And, and the other thing I would mention, and, and Gordon, a little bit, because I'm apologizing to you for kind of cutting off your thought about the best Quinn Snyder team, uh, executing team. Denver without Barton and Harris this year are minus 3.5 per 100 possessions. Hmm. So that's the equivalent of about a 34-win team, 33-win team. So there is a chance that Denver's actually not that good when they're missing two of their top seven guys. Now, we're missing one of our guys, right? And we missed two of our guys to start. So, you know, no sympathy. But that just might be, part, that might be partially factual to what we're seeing here is that without two players who happen to do the same thing for them, that that really has minimized who they are. Uh, David, I think we'll uh, we'll cut you loose. Getting word that Quinn Snyder is sitting down for his post game availability. Great call today, buddy. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right, there you go. We'll cut David and Ron loose. Looking at Austin Horton. Uh, who should we throw down to Orlando? Let's go down now. Another dominating win for you guys, but I really want to start with Mike Conley because it's just so impressive to have him leave, come back, and play like he did today for you guys. Yeah, you know, I've said it before. I'll say it again. Uh, you know, he's a terrific player, and you know, he's found a rhythm. He's found a rhythm really as the season's gone on, and you know it's, it shows. I think obviously, you know, it was important for him to go home and be with his family. And I hope I know how glad our guys were to see him back. And, uh, you know, he played a terrific game. That, that really, that's who he is. Okay, next question, Tony Jones, The Athletic. Uh, what did you see out of Rudy uh, today? Uh, it, it seems like, you know, ever since um, the midway point of, of, of the first half in game two, he's just been really dominant on both ends of the floor. Um, what did he do today to be so successful, and, and can that be replicated as the series goes on? Like, you know, it's complex in one sense and, and very simple uh, in another. And then, you know, his commitment to spacing, trusting his teammates, uh, they're finding him. And 
he's he's doing a great job. He's running and picking pick and roll. He's rolling to the rim and then he's he's getting flat. And he's allowing you know, he's allowing our guards to drive the ball and you know then he's on the other end of those drives. Those guys are unbelievable and selfish. His ability to trust them and their ability to trust him, you know, that's just, that, that's, it's hard to guard uh, in that sense when there's space and Rudy's responsible for, for creating that many times. Okay, next question will be from Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. You guys had a couple possessions late in the second quarter and a, and a few early in the third where the ball stopped moving as much. You got a little stagnant. You called timeout, and then you guys really seemed to kind of figure it back out and pour it on. What was what was the adjustment that you made uh, during that stretch? Well, I think you know as much as anything, um, you know our guys are committed to moving the ball. Uh, it's, you're moving it in different ways. Sometimes it's after penetration. Sometimes it's early in a possession. Sometimes it's in a play. I think we're unselfish. Have that. It's as you said. Just keep it stagnant. You know, we want a space, but we want to keep playing. Play through different actions, and at the same time, keep ball moving. Conscious of that, the guys are trusting each other, and when that happens, you know, you can run good offense. You staying here late again? Okay, thank you. Next question will be uh, from Ryan McDonald, um, Deseret News. Quinn, do you feel like you'll have to guard against complacency at all over the next couple of days, just with the way the, the last two games have gone, how how dominant you guys have been? Or You know, I think this is the playoffs. You know, part of the playoffs is being able to get to the next game. You know, there's games like this that occur throughout a series, and you know, we have to be ready to play the next game and maintain, you know, our focus and our intensity. And, you know, that'll be the challenge. Um, I think our team is capable of doing that. I think they want to do that. And obviously, we're playing against a very good team. The score was lopsided, but you know, we've had double overtime game, game a few weeks ago. And, um, you know, we've had really difficult games with them, you know, throughout the year or, you know, they've beat us. I think we have to just keep doing the things that you feel like we need to do to be successful. Um, you know, and the, some of that stuff, you, know, you can't focus on you know, what's behind you. You have to focus on what's in front of you. Okay, we're going to go Dana Green, ABC4, last question. Hey, Coach, uh, it seems like the, the defensive tone was really set early, only scoring 14 points in the first quarter. Um, you hold Jokic and Murray to 27 total. How pleased were, were, with you, were you with the entire defensive effort for all four quarters? Hey, hey, Dana, can you repeat your question? We can't hear it. Okay. Oh. I think defense is collective. Um, our guys are committed to helping one another. And, you know, if we can continue to do that, play with urgency and rebound is blue. We have a chance to get stops and understanding that, you know, those two guys are great players and they're uh, and they're going to have big nights. They've had big nights against us recently. So we just have to keep grinding and stay focused as a, as a, as a group. Okay. Thank you, coach. Thanks.
All right, that was Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. The Jazz mopped the floor with the Nuggets this afternoon in Orlando, 124 to 87. We get the post game kicked off next, right here on the Jazz Radio Network. The home for Eggy Sports, Sports Talk Radio, 1069 FM, 1390 AM, and online at 1069thefan.com. The Fan. Jazz game night post game show here on the Jazz Radio Network. The Jazz win big over the Denver Nuggets. They take a two games to one lead in their best of seven Western Conference playoff series. One twenty four to eighty seven. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, with you and Gordo. <laughs> I don't know if much changed after halftime. There was pretty much a beating from the end of the first quarter on. And that's what happens when you when you're feeding the ball to Rudy Gobert and he's just dominating down low. And then you turn to say Mike Conley, who hits what seven? What he what he hit? He hit uh, a, a ridiculous amount. I mean, of accurate shots. Uh, nine of thirteen, seven of eight from three. I mean, when you're getting those that kind of one-two punch, no wonder the Nuggets were feeling loopy. And uh, Conley was was unconscious. I mean, just an incredible performance. His third highest scoring output tw- with twenty of his playoff output of his career. Excuse me, twenty seven points, <laughs> nine of thirteen shooting, seven of eight from three, which is just amazing. Uh, Donovan Mitchell this afternoon, uh, twenty points on five of thirteen shooting. He was eight of nine at the line. He had four boards and assists. You mentioned Rudy. Uh, Rudy twenty four and fourteen. Most of that damage coming in the first half. But you know they. This is the help, uh, Gordon. I know you've talked about this a lot. This is the help that they got Donovan Mitchell. This is, uh, you know, Mike Conley. It's exactly what we talked about. Donovan doesn't need to score 57 if the rest of the guys are getting it done. And tonight or this afternoon, it was Conley and Gobert. And they only, well, they didn't even need 20 from Mitchell, to be honest, that beat down. And so, you know, you allow him to have just 28 minutes. Uh, in fact, a lot of guys got some rest. And just, <laughs> I'm sure Donovan was happy to let Rudy and Mike dominate a game. Yeah, like you said, I mean, well, it's rat-a-tat-tat here, you know, 27, 24, 20, boom, 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 boom. And then George Niang thrown in 16 and Clarkson with 11. And and then the other guys weren't exactly stagnant. I mean, they were doing, they were contributing in other ways, moving the ball. We keep hearing that over and over again, move the ball, move the ball, and that's what they're doing. But uh, Quinn Snyder essentially saying, hey, you can't look back, got to look forward. But something tells me that unless something drastic changes on the part of the Nuggets, uh, the Jazz are just punishing them. And I think a lot of tonight obviously had to do with how the Jazz played. But the Nuggets were really bad. I mean, you don't lose you don't lose by that much and and not be bad. But the Nuggets were really bad. I mean, yeah, Rudy I, and, Rudy pushed Joker around today all day. Yeah. Uh, Jokic with only 15 points. He had six assists, five rebounds. In fact, in this series, Jokic's assist numbers have been way down. Jamal Murray had 12 points and six assists and five boards. But both those guys basically ineffective, and both those guys didn't even play in the fourth quarter. Oftentimes, what I've seen in in uh, tough tough competition situations. When one team or one individual, if it's an individual sport, when they are just playing at a certain level, it's easy for the other team to sort of lose it. And that's what we're seeing out of the Nuggets right now. I mean, even if the Jazz had, if the Jazz had, had scored one more point in the first game, the Nugs would be down three zip right now. I mean, if I'm Michael Malone, I, I am really worried. 
about the psyche of my team. And and it doesn't just happen. It happens for a reason. And the Jazz, the way the Jazz are playing, is that reason. Use the nickname Nugs. I've never heard that before. I don't know why I cringe, just to, but but I suppose that's a good nickname. The I've Nugs. I've been using that nickname for years. No, man. I've never heard you use oh, that yeah, nickname. Yeah, man. The I, Nugs. I, yes, the Nugs. That's what they are. Well, the I nu- spell it differently than maybe. Others, I just leave it at the single G, but that's uh, neither here nor there. My point is that the Jazz are causing this kind of collapse on the part of the Nuggets. It's not happening just for some for no reason at all. And and they, I mean, Malone better find some answers in a hurry, or else his team his team is hurting big time. Well, I, you know, uh, Gordon, I, I don't like, uh, you know, necessarily to give uh, others on the station a whole lot of credit, but uh, just kidding. Scotty uh, was right on the money today in the pregame where he said uh, basically the Jazz need to tighten up their defense because you know the Nuggets aren't going to guard anybody and the Jazz are probably going to play some pretty good offense, but can they really show some bite defensively? And I think Scotty was right. I think we saw some bite defensively out there from the Jazz and the Nuggets just didn't respond at all. Well, remember, this is the same team that beat the Jazz on their home floor when they had, like, what, seven players? Remember that? Yep. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think this team is capable. I understand they're they're lacking a couple of their players, but so are the Jazz. So what? You know, go well, out and compete. Well, nobody feels – here, I'll, let, me, let me put it this way. I mean, nobody's going to feel bad. Uh, injuries happen to everybody. But give the Jazz credit because they are attacking um, the weaknesses that the players that they're missing create. And I know that sounds kind of like an obvious take, but uh, Locke has talked about it over and over and over again, how without those two players in particular, Gary Harris and Will Barton, who are their two of their three best on-ball pick-and-roll defenders, if you miss those two guys – I mean, let's. Locke had this in the in the broadcast, and I wonder. Well, it'll be interesting to pay pay attention going forward. But can you play Michael Porter Jr. for the rest of the year or the rest of the season? Playoffs? Jeez. Yeah. Can you play him, or are you just going to guarantee a loss if you do? Because they just they went at him on every single play. So who do you play? Who do you go to? So okay, I mean, so get, so. How would how would you evaluate Craig? How would you evaluate Jeremy Grant? I mean, these guys, these guys aren't aren't. Uh, I mean, they are they are tough players, aren't they? Uh, well, I mean, the the problem is they have one of them. I mean, so if you run pick and roll as much as the Jazz do, I mean, keeping Tory Craig actually guarding Donovan Mitchell is not easy. And Jeremy Grant's a really nice player, but he's not a great on-the-ball defender. He's a decent off-ball defender because he's long and he's smart, but he's not somebody who's going to go out there and, and take Donovan Mitchell out of the game. Michael and Porter I, Jr. can't guard a chair. Paul Millsap looks like he's 105 years old out there. <laughs> Jamal Murray has never played defense. Nikola Jokic, everybody's like, oh, look at all this weight he lost. All that has done is allow him to get pushed around by Rudy Gobert. So I mean, what's the answer? Noah Vonley? I don't think so. Wait a so minute. I is... thought I thought wait, I thought it was the Jazz were supposed to suffer so so mightily because of the absence of Bogdanovich. Not is that what everybody was saying? Not defensively. I, I I get it. I understand it. But didn't didn't we say? I mean, I thought I heard it on the big show 
somebody was talking about how how difficult Craig is and and how much pressure he can put on Donovan Mitchell. Did I not hear that? Yeah, you were super wrong about it apparently. <laughs> Uh, no, I, I think I think Craig is really good, but give Donovan Mitchell credit because if you look at their their past going up against each other, Craig has presented some problems. But Donovan, you know, student of the game that he is, he's figured out ways to get the switches that he wants, and he's figured out ways to uh, to attack Craig. And, and getting Craig some fouls hasn't hurt either. So uh, you, you know, I still think Tory Craig is a good defender. But when you're the when you're the lone guy out there, Gordon. Uh, you know, it's, it's tough because all you have to do is set a couple of picks, get the switch that you want. And then we saw Denver start to switch everything in the, set, in the end of the first half, and it seemed effective, and Jazz figured it out in the second half, getting those mis- mismatches with Gobert that you're talking about. So, uh, you know, there's, there's just not – you know, if you don't – we know this, Gordon. If you don't have the personnel, it's, it's really tough sometimes to adapt. And this is why you've got to give Royce, a guy like Royce O'Neal some credit because he's going out there and playing good defense and doing the dirty work because, the, as we saw in game number one, the Jazz don't have a, to- a ton of one-on-one defenders themselves. So that puts a lot of pressure on Royce just like it does Torrey Craig. Well, I understand what, uh, what, what could be said if you want to start making excuses for the Nuggets. But, uh, and the Jazz did shoot 51, better than 51%. But how do you explain the 37% shooting by the Nuggets? Well, partly is a bad night. That's what I was trying to get to earlier. I mean, partly the Nuggets just didn't play that well. But the Jazz what was What was game two? I think I think let me put it this way I don't think the Nuggets played well in either game but I think the defense was more a recipe in today's game than it was game 2. Do you disagree with that? For the Jazz. For the about. for the Jazz. I thought the yeah. defensive bite was better today than it was in game number 2. And then when you have that kind of defensive bite and then at the other end you have Mike Conley hitting like we talked about earlier 9 of 13 from the floor, 7 of 8 from deep. I mean that's just a punch. That's just punch right in the nose. All right, uh, for those of you, uh, well, actually, we'll say good uh, afternoon, not good night. Good afternoon to our network stations. Uh, game number four is coming your way on Sunday. Tip off for, for that game will be at seven o'clock. For those of you sticking around with us, we'll get you more post game sound, and we'll continue to break this one down as well. One twenty four to eighty seven is your final. The Jazz beat the Nuggets, take a two games to one series lead right here on the Jazz Radio Network. The Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. I was over, I was, I was over, but I'm going to guarantee this for the day. The Denver Nuggets are going to win. Uh, Guarantee. Oh, I heard that in about five months. Hi, Chuck. How do you do, man? Uh, listen, I say a lot of stupid things, but I never am that dumb as Chuck is. And I know Chuck has a shtick he has to go to and rely on to be able to keep the listeners, whatever. Chuck guarantees a Game 3 win for the Nuggets, and he was oh so close to making it happen. Final score in Orlando, Florida, 124-87. The third biggest win for the Utah Jazz in playoff history. Nuggets tied for the third biggest loss in playoff franchise history. Uh, 
you look at the numbers here, and they are just out of sorts. By the way, if you want to be a part of the show, would love to hear your thoughts on the Big Jazz. Win 435-339-0321 to text in 435-752-1069. We'll talk Jazz basketball. We'll recap Game 3. Game 4 Sunday, 7 o'clock. It's the so far the lone evening game of this series. Uh, we'll talk NBA playoff basketball, get to the other games and matchups going on over the weekend. Uh, and then, of course, high school football is tonight. Uh, there is a nice little warning for uh, Mountain Crest to obey the laws that, or the rules that they've been given um, due to COVID-19. I uh, got a text that came in, came in. If you want to text us, 435-339-0321. This message from 9315 who says, What does AJ think of the Jazz now? I also heard today that Aggie sports are going to be totally okay with the cancellation of fall sports. They won't have to do away with any sports programs. Glad we have a smart athletics director. Uh, I have not heard that. I did hear either. that some other major schools cut, like, uh, was it Iowa? Yeah. Cut like four or five sports. Yeah, I haven't heard any confirmation on that, so I'm going to keep quiet until I heard anything from Mr. Yeah, Hartwell I, or the athletics department. I'll keep shut. I haven't heard anything on that. Uh, what does Audrey think of the Jazz now? I don't know. Same, maybe the same thing Eric thought of the Jazz after game two. I mean, it, Derek predicted a loss in game two, and they won. So, I mean, what, are we going to call it Eric too while we're at it? Or are we just going to call out <laughs> me for my opinion? Judas Priest. Uh, no. Uh, look, it, and and I think everybody had everybody had the right to be a little bit, you know, worried about game three. You just come off a saucy blowout win. You knew that Jokic and Murray were going to come back a little bit hungry, a little bit angry, uh, and as they should. But you just didn't see the – I mean, honestly, I didn't see Snyder without Bodjanovic being able to outsmart and outcoach Mike Malone the way he did today. Not one starter in the starting lineup for the Nuggets finishes in the, in the plus category. And, in fact, Eric, only one bench player finishes in the plus category for the, uh, for the Nuggets. Meanwhile, on the Jazz side – Well, that because that was – Gar- all garbage time. That's yeah. bowl, bowl, and garbage time. Uh, meanwhile, Royce O'Neal, plus 14. Rudy Gobert, plus 21. Mike Conley, plus 24. Joe Ingles, a plus 13. Donovan Mitchell, a plus 19. For heaven's sakes, Donovan Mitchell could have just sat at home in his hotel, watched the game, and the Jazz still would have won this one very comfortably. You know what, Eric? It's crazy to think about this. The Jazz right now lead this series 2-1. Eric, they were this close. They are a Donovan Mitchell eight a Donovan Mitchell eight second violation from being up three zero right now. Uh, m- maybe I mean there's still quite a bit of time on the clock at that point. A couple different things could have still happened, but still they had the lead. They had possession um, uh, when that happened late in the fourth quarter in game one. But this you're right. This is a team that's played really well, and they are not backing down from Denver. Uh, and what's really impressive is how well the defense has adjusted and changed every game. Game one, the Jazz give up 135 points. That's never really good. Game two, they give up 105. Game three, they give up 87. <laughs> what are the Nuggets going to score in game four? 60? I mean, that's that's the trend. But um, I, I really thought that uh, tonight, it was or, or today, a couple things that really stood out. Mike Connolly rejoining the lineup. Didn't mess things up at all. Huge, oh, helped. Huge addition. <laughs> and then I thought the way that Rudy Gobert just went at Jokovic. 
Uh, All Jokic. day. Man, I can't All say day. his name. Nikola Jokic. The way that he went at him and really forced the issue. Uh, got his first double-double in the playoffs uh, for this year. Um, he just... And a lot of it was... Uh, part of it was Rudy Gobert was maybe a little bit more aggressive, but I also felt it was more the Jazz just knew how to do the pick-and-roll better. They found him in great spots, and all he had to do was use his length, and he was there and made buckets, got dunks, got easy shots a foot away from the rim. So I just thought that the way that the Jazz executed the pick-and-roll, the way they played off of Rudy, the way Rudy played defense against Jokic was, was phenomenal. Let's go through a few numbers really quickly. We'll go by the players and then by the uh, team stats. I just want to take two key players out of the Nuggets. Uh, Nikola Jokic uh, goes 2 of 6 from 3, 1 of 2 at the line, only 1 of 2, Eric, at the line. 6 of 13 from the field in 32 minutes. He had 15 points, minus 21, 6 assists, and 5 boards. Jamal Murray, uh, 27 minutes. He was 5 of 16 from the field, 2 of 8 from deep. Didn't shoot a free throw. He's minus 12 with 12 points, 6 assists, 5 boards. And then Michael Porter Jr. in 15 minutes, 3 of 6 from the field, one and two are deep. He was seven points, minus 20 with five boards. Two things with you, Eric, and I want to know what your thoughts are. If It seemed like Mike Malone felt like Michael Porter Jr. with Conley on the court is not a, is a defensive major liability for the Nuggets. Sure, he can score offensively, but defensively that he was going to be getting cooked left and right, and he just, and that Mike Malone couldn't trust him. Well, Michael Porter Jr. was the darling of the bubble, one of the darlings of the bubble. I mean, he was on the all-bubble team, right? He looked great. He was consistent. He was doing a lot of things offensively, grabbing rebounds, and Denver felt like, hey, we got this real shot in the arm here with this guy. Well, the last couple of games, and really, frankly, in game one, I mean, he had his moments, but um, especially in games two and three here, he has not really done a heck of a whole lot. And you're right, especially in this game, he was a defensive liability. The Jazz knew it and kept going at him, and they didn't have an answer. Uh, we saw more Jeremy Grant. I thought that we might see more Grant off the bench, um, but even even he was kind of limited in his impact on the game for Denver. Yeah, you took the. Yeah, I was actually going to ask you about Jeremy Grant and what your thoughts were on him. Uh, I don't know as much. I just. It seems like Grant was lost half the time on defense. Like it just, and he, uh, he finished with four fouls. I think he had two in the second where he just looked lost and had to reach just for desperation. Was caught with his hands in the cookie jar. On the offense, or excuse me, on the Utah Jazz side, they were just spectacular. Royce O'Neal was great defensively. Offensively, you couldn't tell. Twenty-eight minutes, one to three, one to two. He had three, four, and eight with a plus fourteen. Rudy Gobert just spectacular today, as you mentioned, Eric. In 32 minutes, 11 of 15 from the field, 2 of 5 from the line. He had 24-14 and no assist. Uh, but, again, it was just really, really good. I want to get to him in just a moment. Mike Conley, as you already heard, 25 minutes. He had 27 points, <laughs> 9 of 13 from the field, and 7 of 8 from deep. By the way, he had four dimes as well uh, and one steal. Joe Ingles in 22 minutes. He had two points, 0 of 2 from the field. Uh, eight assists to two boards. And Donovan Mitchell, 28 minutes, 5 of 13, 2 of 6, 20 points, one assist, and four boards. Uh, Eric, I want to start with Joe Ingles really quickly. Really conservative. Had a couple of good looks from three. Passed him up. Would instead swing the ball to the corner or skip pass to the to the other side. Is that Joe just looking for, uh, you know, looking for others to contribute? Or is that Joe being worried about his shot? 
Well, he was he was really good in game two with his offense. He was a big contributor in game two. Um, and, and so I'm I'm not worried about Joe. Uh, eight assists and a steal. Uh, here's a guy that got his only points at the free throw line. Didn't take too many shots. Really wasn't looking for his shots. He didn't need to. Mike Connolly was feeling it. So feed the beast. Rudy Gobert was having a game. Feed the beast. Uh, they didn't need Joe Ingles to score. They didn't need him to put up shots. And that's what's so great about that. When that lineup is working, is that uh, a guy like Joe Ingles doesn't have to force an issue and try to provide the offense because it's already flowing in other other areas. George Yang off the bench was really good. 16 points on 6-9 shooting, 4-6 from deep. He also had two boards. Uh, and... Jordan Clarkson had 11 points on 4-12 shooting. He was only 1-6 from deep. He had 4 assists and 3 rebounds. Eric, the Jazz were 20-26 from the line. The Nuggets were 9-11 of from the line. In fact, they had just shot two free throws with about two minutes left in the third quarter. They yeah, most two free throws. Most of those Denver free throws came in garbage time when it was a bunch of scrubs who are you know, running around and they're not quite as in control. So why is that? Why does all of a sudden, I mean, especially when Kane Fitzgerald is a referee, you know, Kane loves to blow his whistle. He loves to be the center of attention. So why all of a sudden can the Nuggets, I mean, not get a, was it just that they weren't getting the calls or were they not being aggressive enough at the hoop? They weren't aggressive. They were settling for a lot of outside shots. Jokic, many different times, would get the ball and he'd be high post situation. He'd look around. And instead of trying to find somebody down low or take Rudy off the dribble, he just stood there and then just took a jump shot. And it wasn't going in. And I think that was the way for a lot of these guys. They just weren't aggressive. They weren't attacking. They weren't forcing the issue. Meanwhile, you look at the Utah Jazz, every starter recorded a steal. Every single starter had a steal today. Royce, Rudy, Connolly, Joe Ingles, Donovan Mitchell... Each one of them had a steal. So, I mean, it just illustrates that the Jazz were much more aggressive in what they were trying to do and trying to get after things. Well, they had nine steals as a team compared to two from Denver. Jazz finally out-rebounded Denver 50-45. to uh, And I just felt like the Jazz were the aggressors. They were taking it at them. And Denver was settling for outside shots. Now, you talked about Royce O'Neal. He didn't really have a big impact offensively, but... Oh, defensively, he his, was sound, wasn't he? Yeah, his defense in these last two games cannot be overstated. Mm. What he has done to Jamal Murray, shutting him down and eliminating his effectiveness for Denver has been huge. Massive. Again, final score from the ESPN Wide World of Sports Complex, Utah Jazz... Crush the Denver Nuggets. 124-87 is your final score. That is not a mistypo. I am not misspeaking. I am not looking at it wrong. 124-87 in Game 3. Eric, what does this do? I'm going to need to our preview of Game 4. But for the psychic or the psyche of the Denver Nuggets, you have just got absolutely crushed in Games 2 and 3. Is there a way you can actually collect yourself and get ready for 7 o'clock on Mountain Time on Sunday night to actually make a make a series of this? Uh, it's a fair question. I mean, But I think that Denver was probably thinking, okay, look, we 
we had two bad games. They still have to win a couple more before this thing is over. So we still have chances to get ourselves back into this and to still make it a series. It's not over. I mean, it feels like the Jazz are up 2-1, two, two but it feels like the Jazz are up 4-1. Yeah, the to way one. they've won their last two games. Yeah. But if I'm the Denver Nuggets, I'm thinking, we got to have a short memory. It's not over yet. They still have to get two more wins. So there's there's a couple more basketball games still that need to be played. So it's gonna have let's to make s- our adjustments to go out there. It's going to have to start. I don't know what's more important right now is defense or offense. Defensively, they've given up to the Jazz in back-to-back games 124 points. That's just in, that's in games two and three. In game one, they gave up 125 points. Uh, some of today's team stats, final numbers as we look at them, 51% from the field Jazz shoot to 37% of the Nuggets. Uh, Three-point percentage, 48-31 to 31 in favor of the Utah Jazz. Jazz shot 76% from the line of 28-26. Uh, Nuggets shot 9-11 of 11 for 81%. Rebounds, and for the first time all in the three games, the winning team actually out-rebounded the losing team, 50-45. to 45. Jazz take care of that. At 51%. From field goal shooting. And there's a lot of threes. Too, isn't it? There's a lot of threes that were put up by Utah. Yeah. Uh, that just illustrates this is a team that was attacking the rim. They got a lot of good looks. And the shots are falling. You know, there were some stretches in the bubble where the Jazz had looks, the shots just weren't falling. Eric, they're still getting the looks. Now they're going through the hoop. You talked about it yesterday. You talked about one of the big keys when that game two blowout win was sharing the ball, and you said it needs to happen again. 27 to 20 in assists. Uh, they uh, were out blocked 5 to 2. Jazz had nine steals to Denver's two. Fast break points was tied at eight. And points in the paint 48 to 32 for the Jazz, where they got pretty much wherever they wanted to. Uh, and then the largest lead for the Jazz was 39. Denver's was an early one point lead. Again, and that points in the paint wasn't that close. No. Oh, heavens no. Denver got a lot of dunks and close uh, shots in, uh, garbage, in, in time. garbage time. Yep. Yeah. Which was like six or seven minutes of garbage time in the fourth quarter in a playoff game. So game four, yeah, game four is Sunday night. That'll be at seven o'clock Mountain Time. Tuesday, sources are saying that the game will be at two o'clock. That'll be game five, two o'clock on our station. Uh, which means that we'll again go through the same process of starting late. We'll get on as soon as we can after the post game, uh, and we'll recap game four. We hope we'll be a uh, a series clinching game four for the Utah Jazz, uh, and they would take on the winner of the Mavericks and Clippers if that was the case. Uh, but again, one twenty four eighty seven Nuggets fall to the Jazz in a just a I'm just telling you a demolishing loss for the Nuggets. And I I look at the psyche. We talked about this for just a moment, but the psyche of the Nuggets. It's one thing, Eric, to lose back to back close games. Maybe you lose by four, and then you lose by three, right? But for the Jazz to do what they've done to the Nuggets, defensively and offensively on both sides of the court, like what they have done in games two and three, I mean, you go back to Mike Malone, these players go back to their head coach and say, now what? And I think their head coach, you could kind of tell with about, I'd say, nine minutes left that Denver quit. Denver said, you know what? Forget it. We're done. Not today. Well, that Jokic pass that went right to Donovan at the top of the key, top of the three-point line, and he just took it alone and threw it down. Uh, at that point, Denver was just waving the white flag. Yeah, it was It, it was a point where you just said, No you know one what? chased him down. <laughs> They're like, ah, 
This this is over. It's not happening for us. Uh, seven eight five four says, "I apologize. I'm joining in late. Did Conley play? And was he effective? Uh, he played. He was okay. I don't know if he was great, but he was okay. And uh, Conley ends up starting in 25 minutes of basketball for the young, uh, I guess for the veteran, 10 year veteran. He finishes nine of 13 from the field. He was seven of eight from deep. He had 27 points, four assists, and a plus 24. So he was okay. We expect more of him though." Uh, 5763 texting in. The Jazz were awesome in every facet of the game, forcing turnovers, offensive boards, smart passing, scoring like crazy. Go, Jazz. Here's the thing about that. Is Amen I, to that. Yeah, 5763, you bring up a great point. Forcing turnovers and offensive boards. Actually, say, you know what? I'll go forcing turnovers to smart passing. When they got fast breaks, I mean, they're converting them into points because there was, what, 12 turnovers? And I can't remember what they converted them into points, but it was stupid, ridiculous. But smart passing as well. So many times I saw an open look turn into a better shot. Unless you were Jordan Clarkson. Uh, and so many times... Hey, Clarkson had four assists okay, today. Okay, don't... Dude, I... He helps his team. Like, he wasn't just a offense first guy. But there was a possession. He found some other guys. Uh, you know, the five seven six three is pointing about smart passing, and he brings up a great point. That there was a possession, I believe, in the third quarter, midway through, Eric, where there's a perimeter on the outside of Mitchell, O'Neal, and Ingles. And Ingles throws a skip pass to O'Neal, who pump fakes a three, goes to the hole, finds Mitchell in the corner, and instead of Mitchell shooting it, he takes three dribbles inside and then a bounce pass beautifully in rhythm to Rudy Gobert for a dunk. I mean, that is jazz basketball to its finest. Well, that's why you see 51% field goal percentage on the game. I mean, you're finding the better look, finding the easier option, finding the guy that has the clearer path to the basket or the the, the defender that's further away from him. That's how you get fifty more than 50% on your field goal attempts in a playoff game. <laughs> that's ridiculous. That's back-to-back games of 51% too, isn't it? Like, or 50% or better shooting. I think because in game two, they shot 51% as well. Uh, see, I'm pulling that up right now. Jazz, 51.7. Yeah. That's ridiculous. So how much of it, Eric, is Jazz offense percentage-wise versus Nuggets defense? By the way, Jazz shot 47% in game one. Um, I, I think that it's... How much is it Jazz offense versus Denver defense? Yeah, how much is it just bad Denver defense, and how much of it is actually just really good Jazz offense from a percentage point? Um, I, I don't. I wasn't super impressed with the Denver defense. Me neither. Um, I just don't. Wasn't really impressed with how it, it, you know, there's any switching or uh, closeouts or forcing the Jazz into tough decisions uh, into late shot clock. Uh, Hurried shots. There were a few of those, but there weren't very many. So um, these last two games, Denver defensively just hasn't really looked like they're they've got it, the Utah Jazz figured out. Meanwhile, it's the Jazz have Denver figured out, and so they're exploiting it. It's fun to watch as a Jazz fan. So Eric, we are not going to be uh, having a show on Sunday at, at all. Uh, we'll be back on Monday. So let's go ahead and dive into a preview of Game 4, 7 o'clock Mountain Time on ESPN. If you're Mike Malone, what adjustments are you supposed to make offensively and defensively? Good answer. Yeah, man. Good good answer. I I don't know. I mean, at this point, he's got to be thinking, 
uh, he's got to get Jamal Murray going. He's got to find a way to get Jamal cooking. Um, he's Jeremy Grant was good in game one, and they've got to find a way to inc- involve him more, I think. Uh, there was a good stretch of the third quarter where almost everything was going to Grant, but it wasn't making that much of a difference. Um, so, I don't know. Uh, I mean, maybe Jokic has to stop settling for outside shots and try to go at Rudy, try to get Rudy in foul trouble, try to negate Rudy Gobert. Uh, Jamal Murray's got to f- be more aggressive in finding his shot. Yeah, I, I know they just they don't they didn't seem like they were in very much of an attack mode today, and even on in game two they weren't really attacking too much either. It's like they they seemed to be a little more of a finesse team, and the Jazz got them off off track a little bit. So I don't know, man. I'm glad I'm not in Denver. <laughs> I'm not in that coaching room, but I would think if they want to try to get themselves back into this, you got to get your two stars performing better. And I think they need to uh, be more aggressive early on in trying to uh, create or or force the issue a little bit. I I agree with you on the attack part. Like the Nuggets have to be more aggressive going to the hoop, going to the hole and trying to create contact. Put it on the officials to call a foul. Not enough of that was going on. Now, granted, they didn't shoot horribly from the you know from the perimeter from outside. But when you're getting the whistles like the Jazz are, go to the hole and try to get those same whistles. See if they'll be consistent. If they're not being consistent, then you have a a, a great gripe to have. But the fact that they didn't even challenge the officials by going to the hole, by attacking the basket, by trying to get the contact, tells you enough. Now, granted, when they did go to the hole, there was a 7-foot-1 stifle tower standing right in your way with (laughs) a big paw on his hand, just swatting your shots like a little mosquito. But, I mean, just try to draw some kind of contact, especially for Jokic. You're athletic. Start from the perimeter. Go to the hole and see what kind of calls you can get. There are some really light whistles that were blown today, and maybe you get a few calls there, and maybe it changes the game or at least changes momentum or slows down momentum. Denver had no interest in doing that, like you said. I get the allure of trying to draw Rudy out to defend Jokic uh, for that potential of an outside shot. But if he's not going to hit those shots, I mean, yes, Rudy still has to go out there to defend him, but if there's nobody else that's going to attack the rim, if there's nobody else that's going to give their team second chance opportunities. I mean, you got to switch it up. You got to change it. So, I don't. It's just it's not working for Denver these last two games. I I hope they don't figure out the magic sauce for selfish reasons. But <laughs> I think that this uh, Utah Jazz team has figured out what Denver will likely try to counter with. And they've already thought of it, and so they're already prepared. And, and I just I can't it, as I'll say it again, it cannot be overstated the job Royce O'Neal has done the last two games on Jamal Murray. John Russell texts in. Let's also understand that they are relying on a lot of guys that don't have a lot of playoff experience. The Jazz do. Uh, Royce O'Neal, Donovan Mitchell, Mike Conley, Rudy Gobert. Is there anybody else I'm missing? With experience for the Utah Jazz? With playoff experience, like legit playoff experience. Uh, you, you mentioned Joe Ingles? Yeah, okay, Joe's in that's five. Um, Denver has Jokic, Jamal Murray. Yeah, that's about it. 
How many? I'm trying to think of Paul other. Millsap has Paul a lot Millsap, of yeah. playoff experience. So three. Plumley's got some playoff experience. I don't know if I'm going to count Plumley. Grant has some playoff experience when he was with the Thunder. Did he get major minutes in those? Mm, no. Hey, what is more impressive so far? What the Jazz are doing to the Nuggets right now, or what the Jazz did versus the Thunder in the 2018 playoffs? David Locke and, and Jake Scott were just talking about this on the post game of the Utah Jazz Radio Network. But David Locke was saying what, how the Jazz were outmanned in that series because they had Paul George and Russell Westbrook. Do you agree with that? I mean, I just feel like we're not, we don't have Bogdanovich. Mike Conley's just coming back, and you have Joe Ingles. I mean, really, that's kind of what you're dealing with, and Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. But do you feel like they were outmanned in that 17 series versus Oklahoma City? Like, I mean, well, I don't now? know. It's tough to. to... That's tough because I think that on one hand, Paul George and uh, Russell Westbrook are better than uh, any two man, two guys together that Denver has. It's not necessarily a slide against Jokic or Murray because those guys are are good. Don't get me wrong, but I just think that um, you know one's an MVP, one's been a runner up for the MVP, <laughs> one's been runner up for Defensive Player of the Year many couple times. So I just thought that Paul George and Westbrook. Probably a better one-two tandem that are harder for the Utah Jazz to, to to match up with, player for player. But at the same time, in this series between the Denver Nuggets, the Jazz for the first two games were without two of their top four guys, and they split those first two games. Yeah. Um, so I have, a, and one of those guys is still won't be here for the rest of the series. Yeah, he's done. And so he come back I to the think playoffs. that they're. It's an interesting thought, argument, an interesting thought discussion. But, um, I think that, uh, I think that they're more undermatched in this series than they were in that one, just because of key guys that are out. Yeah. The other one that they they didn't have guys that were out. It was just who do you have compared to who do they have. All right, we're going to take a break. Coming back, we'll talk some more NBA playoff hoops, other games going on around the country, and uh, where those series stand. We had an earlier game today, which has turned out to be a blowout of a series. Uh, big games going on tonight, big games going on Saturday. And of course, the Jazz play Sunday night, 7 o'clock Mountain Time. You can hear that game on this very station. Uh, and then the game on Tuesday, sources are saying that it's scheduled for 2 o'clock. That'll be game five of the uh, first-round playoffs between the Nuggets and Jazz. And the NBA lottery had the results. We'll talk about who is where and what it means for the NBA and for those teams. All in the full court press, 106.9 The Fan. Northern Utah and Southern Idaho's home for sports. It's the full court press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Derek France and Aldi South from Full Court Press. 106 on the fan. Grateful to have you joining us, however and wherever you are doing so. Hope you enjoyed your Friday uh, Friday afternoon, morning, as we get into the evening. Final score from uh, the ESPN Worldwide Complex in Florida. Utah Jazz 124-87 winners over the Nuggets. They take a 2-1 series lead. Game 4 scheduled for Sunday night at 7 o'clock. And then Game 5 is Tuesday. We do not know an official time on that yet. We're still waiting to hear. Uh, earlier today, Toronto throttles Brooklyn 117-92. They lead that series 3-0. It's all but over over there. 
And then Celtics right now trail, or excuse me, are leading the 76ers 37-36. They also lead the series 2-0 right now, looking to make it three games to none in a commanding lead. And tonight, the nightcapper on TNT, Clippers, Dallas, no Patrick Beverly. He'll be out. So Dallas, you know, with that, Eric, I feel like has a favorable matchup when there's no Patrick Beverly. He makes that much of a difference. Yeah, he's a incredible on-ball defender. Um, he's a he helps him out a lot of different ways. Uh, probably see a lot more uh, Reggie Jackson for the Clippers. Uh, to be honest, I'm I haven't really been overly uh, impressed with the Clippers uh, in the bubble or in the playoffs. That makes two of us. So this is going to be a really big game three in this series. Uh, can Dallas take the lead in this one with their fantastic young stars and unsung heroes off the bench? Or will that uh, that team that's full of playoff experience and uh, veteran leadership take advantage and uh, move to two, two games to one in the series? Uh, tomorrow's games will be as follows. Milwaukee, who has a 2-1 series over Orlando. No, excuse me, it's Title One. Wow, my bad. Milwaukee and Orlando, Title One. That's an 11 a.m. game on Mountain Time on TNT. All these times are Mountain Time, by the way. 1.30, Indiana, Miami. That's also on TNT. Uh, Houston and Oklahoma City will have the ESPN 4 o'clock matchup. And then Lakers in Portland will be on ABC at 6.30 p.m. The health of Damian Lillard will be very key, who dislocated uh, his index finger on his left hand, which is not a shooting hand, but it can still cause some problems if uh, if he gets bumped at any kind of way. It could be really Yeah, painful. Coach Terry Stott says he plans to play. Uh, Damian wants to play. Uh, if I'm the Lakers, I do everything I can to force him, him left. left. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the NBA draft will be later on in October, and so with that, the 2020 NBA draft lottery was last night. Minnesota Timberwolves are your winners of the NBA draft lottery. They'll have the right to the number one pick uh, in the draft. They are followed by the Golden State Warriors, who had the worst record, Charlotte Hornets after that, and Chicago Bulls after that, which means the New York Knicks, who continue to strike bad luck in the draft lottery, they fell all the way, I believe, to eighth place. You know, or at least eighth pick in this uh, NBA draft lottery. Just sucks to be a Knicks fan these days, at least in the past decade, I should say. Unreal. <laughs> uh, again, I, we, we, you, we, you brought up the draft. Um, there's a report, Adrian Wojnarowski reporting today, that the NBA Board of Governors have been talking about moving back the draft. Uh, originally scheduled to take place in mid-October. That's about when free agency would begin as well. And uh, Adam Silver... In some comments that he made to Rachel Nichols on Thursday, said that the start, the proposed start date of December first, seems a little early. So the whole NBA calendar for next season could be moved back. Don't know yet what and when, by how far uh, it would get pushed back. Um, but um, it, it's uh, it's a little bit in question as to when the draft lottery, assume that the draft would take place, when free agency would begin when the camp uh, would take place and then the the start of the season for the 2021 season would get underway. They have to be mindful of not just time between this season and next, but how the following season is also affected by this delay. So it's not an easy, easy decision to try to make for these NBA owners. So again, your draft lottery goes as follows. From 14 to 1, it'll be Boston, Pelicans, Kings, Spurs, the Suns get a top 10 pick. That's what you get for being 8-0 in the bubble. Uh, Wizards will get the ninth pick. Yeah, ninth pick. Knicks are 8th. 
Detroit, Atlanta, uh, and Cleveland round out the uh, bottom five. And then, of course, in the top five, uh, the Wolves, Warriors, Bulls, and Hornets all in the uh, all in the uh, top five for the NBA draft, draft lottery. Who gets the mellow ball? Maybe. There's a lot of I don't think uncertainty about him right yeah. now. Just and if you a find, certain skill I mean, set on the court, but there's a lot of questions about what's between the years. Well, and not only that, but you know your dad's gonna be a part of it too. Like that's what that's what the most annoying thing is. Like you, when your dad wants to be a part of everything going on within an NBA organization, that's a huge problem. That's a huge red flag for me. So. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what that looks like again. Not as spicy of an NBA draft as what we had last year. Um, and But we are looking out for Sam Merrill and to see where he ends up. Hopefully he'll be, a, if not first round, which I wouldn't think he'd be a first round, maybe a, a mid to early to mid second round pick in the NBA draft. All to be yet told. All right, we'll take a break. Coming back, uh, Eric, let's talk some high school football. Six games going on, or six teams. No, six games going on. What am I talking about? With six teams from Region 11, storylines all over the place. Mm, not quite six teams from Region 11 taking place. Ridgeline oh, will sorry, not be down playing. To five. Yeah, sorry. Reminder, do not go to Millville expecting to see a football game on that field. It will not happen. We'll talk more about it coming up on the Full Court Press. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. A1 Automotive and Performance reminds you to extend the life of your vehicle with regular preventive maintenance. You can visit them in their new location, 1065 West, 600 North in Logan. A1 Automotive and Performance offers a free three-year, 36,000-mile parts and labor warranty on any repair they do. You can call them at 752-9636. We appreciate A1 Automotive being a part of the Full Court Press here on 106 on the Fan, and we appreciate you. For listening in as well. Eric Franson, I'm AJ Salison. Great to have you wherever and however you are joining us. Uh, Jazz dominating win 124.87 over the Nuggets. Games going on right now. Games going on later tonight. Games going on all day tomorrow. Games on Sunday. It is just NBA hoopla. All. This is what I love. It's just NBA games going on every single day. Thank goodness it's good to have sports back. Uh, speaking of having sports back, Eric, uh, an odd weekend, or excuse me, an odd day yesterday for high school football, more specifically in American Fork in Utah County. Well, uh, this has been a bit of an issue in some places, but the athletic director for the, uh, what is it, the American Fork Cavemen? Yep. Um, the game was getting started. I think it had gotten underway, and then the athletic director halted the game, grabbed a microphone, and went out in front of the stands and said, we're not going to continue this game until you all behave, basically. said, look, he reminded everybody that you had to have prepaid tickets that assigned seats to where you needed to be. You need to be in those areas for social, physical distancing reasons, and you have to wear your masks. People had their masks on when they came through the gates, but they weren't wearing them once they sat down in the, in the stands. And... And he's basically stood there and talked to everybody until they started moving around and got to where they were supposed to be, and then the game could continue. Well, apparently something similar is taking place in Hiram. Now, no, there's no AD going out on the field, grabbing a microphone and grabbing the attention of everybody, but Mountain Crest administrators have sent a letter to, to uh, parents of students uh, at, their, through, at their school saying, 
wear your mask. Sit where you're, where you're supposed to sit. Uh, and it says, this letter says, as Mountain Crest Administration, we are asking once again for your cooperation in following this mandate. We cannot continue to have spectators in our stands that refuse to wear masks. And then this is underlined. Continued refusal to comply with the mask mandate may result in the limiting of attendance, the closure of events to spectators, or the outright cancellation of games. Close quote. Hmm. Uh, look, if you want sports, you need to obey the rules. If you don't want sports and don't obey the rules, and they'll eliminate it in a heartbeat. And if you think they're joking, test them. Well, there's real concern about you've you've handled things okay as a, as sports teams uh, so far this summer, but now as students start to go to class, will things continue to be contained or will there be outbreaks? Uh, one of the things that it also says in the letter. Um, it says every picture taken of stands filled with MC spectators not wearing masks makes it harder for us to continue to keep our activities open. It makes it harder for us to work with schools where we want to send our kids to play. It makes it harder to work with district and state leaders who also want to see activities open. So, And, and, and it's 100% right. And, and by the way, if you don't wear a mask or if you people aren't wearing masks and someone takes a photo, they put it on social media – you're going to end up on Stadium's Twitter feed. You're going to end up on other national Twitter feeds because you're at a high school football game not wearing masks when you're required to wear a mask. And and it also is on officials too, I I feel like, Eric. You know, if if you are checking in people at the ticket gate and they're not wearing a mask, why are you letting them in? Well, like, they're supposedly they are wearing masks, but then when they go sit in the, in the stands, they take, they take them, them off. off. Yeah, that, that that's what was going happen. on at American Fort. Yeah, that can't happen. Uh, and again, we, we, we love having high school football back. We love it in the Valley, having six teams compete. But if you want that to continue, you need to wear a mask. And if you don't, it will be taken away from us. I can promise you that. It's it's not a joke anymore. It's it's They're being serious. And it's it's no longer uh, – it's, it's just part of the way things are here in this day in life and – it's not asking a lot out of you to wear a mask to go watch a football game. Whether it's your son or a relative or a friend, you need to obey those rules. And they got social distancing. You need to obey those rules as well. Um, All right. And this this isn't meant to be a, a political discussion here about the efficacy of masks. No, but whether if you they want work sports, or they don't work. To. But the bottom line is these are the rules that have been set that set out. These are the things that are being asked of people to follow. And if you want to attend a football game. And watch it in person. You got to follow the guidelines that they've put out there. The, I know there are people that are itching for reasons to shut this all down. And uh, don't give them that satisfaction. Yeah, I, I would absolutely agree with that. Uh, Eric, let's go through tonight's games and look at them one by one and get your thoughts in here as well. Uh, we'll start with Green Canyon. They get a host box elder tonight, 7 o'clock. You can hear that game on 100.9 FM, and you can also, if you want to find the stream, go to CashValleyDaily.com, go to the menu bar, go to sports, local high school sports football schedule, and scroll to the bottom. You'll find all the streams for every team in the region. Green Canyon, Twila tonight. Uh, Green Canyon got a great win last week. Box Elder got shellacked last week. Uh, you know, I feel like this is still going to be one of those slobber knocker kind of games, but I think in the end, Green Canyon runs away with this. Too much talent. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, Boxelder is from a, uh, a higher division. Uh, they may have a little bit more depth, um, but uh, Green Canyon has a lot of experience coming back for them and uh, a good confidence builder in their uh, season opener. So that's going to be a fun one. Uh, our friend Craig Hislop will be calling that game with John Russell on 100.9 FM. And you can also find the stream on Cash Valley Daily. You know how to listen live on your mobile device or your desktop. But uh, I think that's going to be a fun matchup. It's a regional game. It's not a region game. It's a regional game. Easy for Boxiller fans to come over and, and to be on the opposing sideline. Yep. Uh, Bear River will uh, host Morgan in what used to be a classic 3A rivalry. This used to be oh, really yeah. one of the darling rivalries. Great Physical history between those out. two teams. No love lost between the two teams, even to this day. This game will be on 104.9 FM. It'll also be on the Bear River live stream. Uh, hosted by Clint Payne and uh, Bob Payne. Now, Bear River's without their starting quarterback. He's not out for the season, from what I've been told. Sources say that uh, he could be out for maybe three weeks. They hope to have him back uh, before region play, which would be really, really nice. So, again, Bear River and Morgan tonight, these are always battles, just physical, physical battles. And I think the team with the least mistakes, and I'm talking about turnovers and penalties, will win this ball game. I know that sounds obvious, but in a high school football game, with this kind of rivalry, it's tough to handle your emotions at times. Yeah, the biggest question is what? how does Bear River uh, um, adapt to a new signal caller? Yeah. Uh, in just one week to try to find another quarterback. They have a great running game with Caden Bucket-Jones running the show there. And I, I yeah. think if you can... Running the show is the right term. And yeah. that's what he did in week one. Absolutely. Skyview will take on Bonneville. John Newbill will be hosting that game on this very same station, 106 on FM, 1390 AM. Also on the Skyview live stream. Uh, I think this is a runaway. I think it's a blowout. I think Skyview take care of business. The question is, can they sustain that lead through four quarters play 48 minutes of good football. Yeah, the, one of the big questions about this, this Skyview program is what are they without Mason Falslove? In week one, they answered that they are still a good team, but you're, what you're pointing out is they started really strong, but they allowed Stansbury to come back into this one, and it came down to the wire to some really big defensive stops in the late in the fourth quarter to secure the win. Are they going to put themselves in a similar situation tonight against Bonneville? Logan lost by a late touchdown to Provo last week. They now get Stansbury, who is Skyview's week one opponent, and that's at Stansbury. Uh, game will be on 102.1 FM, 610 AM KVNU, hosted by Al Lewis. Love Al. Great stuff always from him. Uh, Eric, uh, Logan gave it a battle last week versus Provo. Their defense showed up. Their offense really, really struggled. Can't have that same issue tonight. Got to be able to be consistent on both sides of the ball to have a chance against a good Stansbury squad. Well, yeah, as we just said, Stansbury's a team that was down a lot, but they found a way to get themselves back into the game and, and give themselves a chance to win. So uh, Logan's got to be careful about leaving a door open for that kind of a situation to stay in there and stay competitive. Mount Crest got a humbling lesson in the season open versus Salem Hills, who's going Pick to be in the state championship this year, and it doesn't get any easier as they head to Wasatch to take on the Wasatch Wasp. That game will be on 107.7 KLZX with A.J. Knight, who's flying solo tonight. Uh, but, uh, Eric, you know, their defense wasn't great last week. Their offense was even worse. If And Wasatch put up 49 points on a really good Park City team last week. Uh, you, if you get into a hole quickly, even if it's 14-0, 14-0 is going to feel like 42-0. Versus his Wasatch squad. 
Well, we know Mountain Crest always plays hard and they come with intensity. It's just do they have the 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 skill players to have enough firepower offensively? Um, and so after some a, a tough challenge and a tough draw in week one, you know how many how many lessons do they learn? What can they draw from that and prepare for uh, a Wasatch team that uh, plays tough, but maybe uh, gives Mountain Crest a little bit more of a time to rebound a little bit here. Ridgeline had their game versus Cypress canceled. They'll get ready for a very, very good Farmington team. That game will be in Providence next week. That is going to be a dandy of Millville, a football actually, game. Millville, actually, but that's okay. Hey, you know what? Teach their own. <laughs> to each their own. Hey, don't forget, if you want to be a part of the high school pick'ems contest, you can always join in each and every single week. Uh, 106 and the Fan High School Pick'ems Contest is sponsored by the Logo Shop. Thank you so much to them. Uh, your booster club headquarters for high school competitive teams and clubs. Uh, make sure, uh, excuse me, make sure that you go to the logo shop to get your gear done the right way. Uh, each week we give away a hundred dollar prize. This week, a hundred dollars worth of sausage egg McMuffins. That's right, the McDonald's. Uh, you could be uh, you could be a winner in that contest. Just go to cashvalleymediagroup.com. Uh, you can uh, you can find the Pickums page, sign up, and you can join in whenever you want. Try to go win that one week. Take one week at a time and win one week at a time. I mean, $100 in McDonald's is going to get me a lot of good food, but a lot of bad weight, <laughs> but in a really happy way. Uh, there's a lot of ways to find the contest. Uh, we have it on our website, 1069thefan.com. Uh, you can go to cvpickum.com. And if you happen to go to the page where you're looking at this, the schedules for all the high school teams on Cash Valley Daily... There's also information there about how you can go. Now, the, the cutoff time for the games today was at 5 o'clock. So you're, you've passed the, the, the deadline to try to win for this week, but you can start to make your picks for next week now if you want to. Personally, I'd probably wait until after tonight's games to yeah. see how teams look, yeah. but you could if you wanted. All right, let's take a break. Coming back, we'll wrap it up and get your and get our predictions for Jazz Nuggets Game 4 Sunday night. The Aggies, Jazz, High Schools, even the Pee Wee's T-Ball team. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, The Fan. Welcome back to the Full Court Press. A happy day for Jazz fans. 124-87 winners over the Denver Nuggets in Game 3. They now take a 2-1 series lead. Game 4 Sunday night. It is the lone night game thus far of this series. Uh, 7 o'clock Mountain Time. Eric, the way things went today, does that momentum continue to Sunday or do you see a different outcome? Well, I think the momentum does continue. There's two straight games. The Jazz just flat out dominated Denver. It, it's a, They're up 2-1, to one, but it feels like they're up 3 or 4-1. to one. I mean, the way these last two games have, have played out. They're going to have momentum. They're going to have Mike Connolly back. The Jazz feel great about how they can attack Denver. So... Uh, Denver will be playing a little more desperate, though. If they don't get Saturday, man, it's or excuse me, Sunday night. If they don't get Sunday night. This thing's over. It's over. Uh, I agree with you. I, I think the Jazz have a ten momentum. I think Quinn's just flat out out coaching Mike uh, Mike Malone, and I think that's actually turning into the fact that maybe the players don't trust Malone right now uh, as a team, which could prove to be very detrimental. I like the Jazz, and I like him by at least seven. I just think the Jazz have a bigger chip on their shoulder. They're playing a little more nasty. Yeah. Uh, they're they're the aggressors. They're going after it. And uh, that's really led by Rudy Gobert. Just think about this as we close up the show. 
the Utah Jazz, the Denver Nuggets had a team tank just to play them and now own them in the last two games. Unreal. Good night, everybody. We'll talk to you on Monday.